What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner, and today I was joined by my friend, Tommy Clark. Uh, Tommy is a super knowledgeable dude. He coaches athletes with their nutrition, and as somebody who was a former athlete, Actually, I shouldn't really call myself an athlete. As somebody who likes to think of himself as a former athlete, uh, this was an awesome episode for me to do. I think that uh, awareness around nutrition for performance and for athletes uh, is super important and very much needed. However, it also applies to everybody who is focusing on their fitness journey. Like anybody who is just trying to get healthier, trying to get leaner, trying to improve in the gym, Uh, more confidence. Honestly, this episode applies across the board. We had a really good conversation. There's a ton of takeaways, a lot of practical applications. So you can um, listen to this episode and think about how you can structure things a little bit different. Think about the big picture for yourself. Um, Period. We talked a lot about periodization, which is uh, often misunderstood and just not even, uh, there's not a lot of people who are aware of how important that process is. So I think you guys are really going to dig this episode. And if you do, as always, can you please give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and screenshot this episode, tag myself at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner and Tommy Clark. I do not know his IG handle off the top of my head, but I promise I will put it in the show notes so you can tag us both. Enjoy the episode. All right, guys, I am joined today by Tommy Clark, and I'm super excited to jump into this conversation uh, because Tommy specializes in helping athletes and in, in particular with nutrition. That is something that, you know, I played sports my whole life. I did not have any awareness around nutrition for a very long time, uh, even throughout my high school career and then into college. Um, I really just, you know, kind of just didn't have any awareness. Like I didn't know that I could improve my yeah. performance through nutrition. I didn't know, uh, you know, the, what I was kind of missing out on. And I look back at that, um, now obviously doing what I do, I, you know, it's not like I regret it, but I really would have loved to have somebody like yourself, uh, when I was, you know, playing. And, um, so first, before we jump into like all the particulars and, and we're going to get kind of deep into that side of things, um, just, you know, if you want to give a brief introduction about yourself and then kind of how you got into, um, what you're doing now. For sure. So my name is Tommy Clark. I'm a certified nutrition coach. And I kind of got into this whole like nutrition coaching thing um, back when I was playing college basketball. And growing up, like coming like through high school and stuff like that, I was your typical like unathletic white kid that stood in the corner and shot threes. That was my game. Luckily, I was good enough at that that it was able to get me to that next level in college. But once I got to college, it was kind of like, oh, crap, these guys are all really like high level athletes. They're like really gifted. And I just wasn't able to keep up. And I was really confused and like stuck and frustrated because up until that point, I was that guy who was in the gym like every day, sometimes like twice a day, watching film, like literally doing everything I, I should have been doing. So I was kind of just confused and stuck and frustrated. Like, why am I not seeing the results? Why am I not up to par with the rest of these guys? And somehow I was, I was on some like random like forum or something. And a conversation popped up about like nutrition. And I was like, oh, you know what? Like I haven't really been paying attention to that so far. And that kind of led me down the rat, that rabbit hole. But the funny thing is, and the kind of screwed up part is the first thing I did when I got into nutrition, it was probably one of the worst things I could have done for my athletic performance. So in the middle of my freshman year, like basketball season, I started doing the paleo diet 
And for those of you guys that don't know what the paleo diet is, I would assume a lot of your listeners probably have heard of it before, but you cut out, it's essentially like eating like the caveman did. And as part of that, you're not allowed to eat any grains. And as an athlete, that's where you're getting a lot of your carbs from. And I'm sure we'll get into this later, but carbs are your body's main source of fuel for performance. So inadvertently, I was kind of like, well, I thought I was doing like the best thing ever based on like, I read this book that really just like hyped it up. You know, all the diet books kind of hype everything up. Um, I thought I was doing the best thing ever, but I was actually doing one of the worst things I could have done. Long story short, I lost like 21 pounds in like a month and a half. My vertical was even worse off than it was before, which is saying a lot. Um, and I was getting like lightheaded at the end of practice. And I was like, all right, something doesn't add up here. Um, and then I kept researching, but the cool thing was though, like, as I was going through this, like I said, I thought this was the best thing ever. Like I was super interested in it. And it was, even though I was screwing myself over with my performance, I was still really interested in learning more about it. So I was like, listen, listen to podcasts, audiobooks, reading for the first time voluntarily since like second grade. And like, I came across a video on YouTube that Jason actually did with mind pump. It was, I think it was called like why paleo sucks for CrossFit. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Let me, let me watch this. And then when he was talking about like how, how carbs are important for performance and recovery and all that stuff. And I was like, you know what, that kind of makes sense. And then that kind of led me down the rabbit hole of tracking macros and that side of things. And then that's when things really started to come together for me. I put the weight back on, started performing better, felt better on the court. I was like, you know what? This is even cooler than it was before. And then that kind of um, led to me helping out my friends with this stuff. Uh, my first quote unquote client was actually my best friend. He, created, he actually lost like 60 pounds, which was insane. But um, that kind of led me into the whole coaching side of things. And fast forward a couple months, um, I was actually a lot more interested in the coaching side of things and I wasn't actually playing basketball. So then I decided to walk away from the sport, um, leave my college team to focus on building the business. And it's been about almost a year since that happened. Um, and since then I've just been growing the coaching business and instead of being an athlete myself, helping athletes take their performance at the next level. Yeah, I love that. And it always comes from that personal experience. I feel like we have to do everything wrong as coaches first and For that sure. like leads us down the path to find the right way and then we're like oh my god I w- I'm so passionate about this I want to help other people avoid all of those mistakes that I made um, but touching on the fact that you ha- were playing you know high level athlete and we're doing a paleo diet and you mentioned, you know, the video that, that Jason Phillips did talking about why paleo sucks for CrossFit and before you even mentioned that the first place that my mind went was how did paleo get attached to something like CrossFit, which is, you know, very glycolytic in nature, requiring a lot of carbs to perform well. Um, And then for like an athlete like yourself, who was just trying to do some basic research and you stumble upon paleo as, you know, this might be the best solution. Where do you think just contextually things get messed up like that, where, um, you know, something like paleo and CrossFit were so tied together when they're really mismatched. And then, you know, for general, um, like an athlete who does have the awareness that nutrition can be a missing piece, but there's so much misinformation out there. How do you think we kind of yeah. got lost in that shuffle? Yeah, well, I think um, in general, paleo is a generally like pretty sound approach for the average person, like just getting started. But again, like in the context of athletes, it just it doesn't make sense. But I think a lot of athletes may have, and where this may have stemmed from is like, if you're going from eating like fast food and a bunch of processed stuff and not really getting quality foods in, you're not having any awareness around what you're eating at all. 
to doing a paleo diet, even if it's not the best thing for your performance, you're probably going to feel better just because you're getting a lot of the good stuff in. Um, so then that might lead athletes to think, okay, this is really good. And in terms of like how I kind of got stuck down that rabbit hole, there was like this book called the paleo diet for athletes, which the title now thinking about it makes zero sense, but they did a really good job of marketing it. So I think the combination of the marketing as we see with just fad diets, with like general population people, um, the same thing can happen with athletes, the marketing side of things. And then also the fact that it's still a step in the right direction, so to speak, in some aspects, but in the long run, it's just not the right approach for athletes. Yeah, totally agree. And I think that there's this misconception that something that's great for your health is going to also be great for performance or that something that's great for performance or great for aesthetic is also going to be great for your health. Uh, and that's really not the case and that we always um, see somebody who might be shredded, six pack, you know, super lean, and we associate that with health, but they could, there could be a whole uh, plethora of issues going on underneath the surface that we don't know about, uh, you know, walking around at sub, you know, single digit body fat percentage isn't the healthiest thing. Um, yeah. Similarly, if you're performing at a high level and you want to compete uh, and you want to, you know, be a high level basketball player, CrossFit athlete or whatever, you know, endeavor you're trying to pursue at a high level, uh, there's going to be some sacrifices to your health. You know, obviously, if you're putting your body through that kind of rigorous activity on a continuous basis, um, there's some consequences there. Uh, so just talk about that from an awareness standpoint, what you typically um, if that's something that you need to communicate with your athletes who you're working with um, and just your general thought process there. Oh, for sure. I think the the biggest mistake an athlete can make or one of the biggest ones is thinking I want to get a six pack, but I also want to perform to the best of my ability. Like. It can happen, and I'm not saying that if you perform at the highest level, you're going to be fat, because as you can look around like any sports league you want, most of them are pretty they're in pretty good shape. But like you said, getting down to single-digit single body fat percentages and stuff like that, it's just, to an extent, it's not going to help your performance. And I think having that conversation up front is really important, because that's kind of what got me down that rabbit hole as well. Like, yeah, I wanted to perform better, but I also wanted a six-pack. And I found myself in this place where yeah, I dropped a ton of weight. I got, I got really lean. I mean, I was pretty much a stick, but I was lean, but my performance sucked. And I think having that conversation from the outset and just setting those expectations is really important. And again, that's not to say if you're an athlete, you, you, you're never going to be able to get lean. And that's where the whole concept of periodization comes into play. Cause yeah, you're right. You can't constantly be feeling for high performance and expect to be healthy long-term. And part of having a long, successful career in whatever sport you're in is, is being healthy. So you have to periodize, you have to, um, insert phases in there using periodization to allow yourself to have phases where you're like, okay, performance is number one priority. I don't care about anything else. And then times where you step back. And I think this is really simple and straightforward to implement for a team sport athlete because you have you have designated seasons throughout the year anyway. Um, but I think where a lot of people mess up with this side of things is like in the CrossFit space where you can, you can compete every weekend if you really wanted to, you could find a competition. Um, but kind of getting back to the original question, um, definitely having that conversation up front, setting those expectations of what the entire game plan is going to look like and taking like a, honestly, like a year long or even several year long view, if depending on what level you are, uh, goes a long way into making sure the athlete knows what they're signing up for. Cause if you try to sell them, if I try to tell them, okay, yeah, we're going to get you a six pack, but you're also going to perform and it doesn't happen. That puts me in a position where I'm like, my hands are tied. I don't know what to do. Um, but if you have those expectations set from that get go, everyone's happy. 
Yeah, so I want to see if we can kind of, uh, you know, tie that to practical application in a real life scenario. And obviously, understanding that everybody's different. So we're not going to get into like super specifics. But I think periodization is something that doesn't get talked about enough. So the fact that, you know, you're, you're going through, you know, a season for an athlete, that approach is going to look very different than when the season is over. So can you talk about maybe just your thought process in what you're trying to accomplish with each phase as you kind of take your athletes through different, you know, in season, off season and that type of approach? Yeah, no doubt. So there's, there's four main phases. So you got in season, post season, off season, and preseason. So in season is really whenever you're competing. So like I said, for team sport athletes, this is when your competition season is your basketball player, typically a few months during the winter and early spring. But for anyone, just as a rule of thumb, whenever you're actively competing in your sport or event, um, during this phase, performance is the number one priority. Hands down, you have to go in with that expectation because this is really what you've been training for. And you got to fuel yourself properly for performance. So during the in-season phase, when you're competing, performance is that number one priority. The next phase right after that is uh, is postseason. So let me just and, let me just interrupt real quick for the in-season. What would that look like? Since performance is number one, what would that look like from yeah. a nutrition standpoint and lifestyle standpoint? Like, what are you hammering home uh, to your clients in season? Uh, is it making sure that? You're just getting in enough fuel. Is it emphasizing, uh, you know, trying to get in enough carbs depending on the person and what they can tolerate? Are you prioritizing, you know, more recovery? What does that look like? For sure. So in terms of fueling for performance, number one thing is just eating enough in general. I think something that's really surprising is a lot of athletes just are under eating, regardless of the sport, regardless of the level. Hands down has to be like the biggest issue I see with people coming in. And it's tough, especially when the the kind of trippy like situation is like when athletes come in they're like oh I eat pretty healthy that's a good thing but at the same time it can kind of shoot you in the foot because if you're eating healthy you're eating like a ton of whole unprocessed foods it can inherently lead to you under eating because those foods tend to be more satiating so um first things first we got to make sure you're eating enough and this is where tracking and really creating that awareness is, is super helpful and then once you make sure you're eating enough the next level to that is making sure you're eating enough carbohydrates because most athletes, if you're competing like in an in-season phase, you're probably competing at a very high intensity in most sports, um, like especially team sports and CrossFit and, and anything really using like a glycolytic pathway. Um, and since they tend to be glycolytic, you want to make sure you're having enough carbohydrates in there because that's your body's primary, like preferred source of fuel for that sort of activity. And this is kind of where I went wrong with the whole paleo thing was I inherently cut a lot of that out from my diet. And I wasn't giving myself that much usable energy. Sure, I was eating lots of healthy fats like avocados and nuts and olive oil and stuff like that. But it's just not as effectively used as fuel during those higher intensity activities. So secondly, just making sure you're eating enough carbs. And I think a perfect example of how this has worked really well was one guy I'm coaching who's a pro player over in Croatia. He's, he's already a beast when he came to me, killing it. But he was only eating like 150 grams of carbs. And we eventually got him all the way up, just slowly but surely, up to 450. Night and day difference. He was killing it before. I think, like, the exact quote was, like, he felt like he could play a whole other game afterwards just because we were actually fueling him properly. So I think a, a big takeaway for any athletes listening to this, um, don't be afraid of carbs. They're not going to make you fat. They're going to actually help your performance because you're actually fueling yourself with what you need, what your body wants for that type of activity. And then in terms of recovery and lifestyle stuff, um, just the basics like sleep and, and make sure you're getting a lot of food, like high quality foods as well. 
um, to support recovery and just managing lifestyle stress. Cause you have a lot of stress going on as it is with your sport. You don't want to add on top of that with relationship stuff, with family stuff, with work stuff. Obviously if you're, if you have a job, that's not going to go anywhere, but do what you can to mitigate that sort of stress. So you can really maximize recovery just because you are go- undergoing so much stress in that situation. Yeah, for sure. I think that's an important point to make. Um, and I think what you mentioned about your athlete example is important because how often do we think that things are okay because we're doing well that like our day to day just feels fine until you actually feel better. And then you're like, wow, I really didn't feel that good. And it's, and I think that's part of the reason why, uh, you know, sometimes pushing the limit of what you think you're capable of doing or stepping outside of your comfort zone and trying something like, um, you know, I'm going to see if I can, how, how far I can get my maintenance calories or how many carbs that I can handle, uh, before I start to notice any sort of ill effects, um, just experimenting and, and noticing, you know, always paying attention to your own biofeedback. But I think sometimes we, our, our norm is kind of like, we just feel okay, or we even feel shitty on a daily basis. And we just become accustomed to that. And then once we feel better, it's like, wow, I actually didn't realize how shitty I felt. And now I feel a hundred times better. Um, and you, you have that new awareness now, uh, about what your body can do and, and, you know, what performance, um, you can really touch an, you know, a new level of performance when you actually push that limit. Uh, so I love what you said about managing stress, obviously super important to have adequate recovery in season. Um, so let's shift to then what the conversation looks like after postseason. For sure. And, and postseason is a really overlooked phase, especially with those kind of like type A, like hardworking athletes. Like I know when I was playing it, it, it would always get to a point where like kind of halfway through my season, I was looking forward to the off season because that's when you can implement your training plan and your what you're going to do differently with your nutrition or or like all the improvements you're going to make. But before we get into that phase, you got to look at postseason and really take time to dial it back a little bit because like I was saying, you're, you're undergoing a lot of stress during the in-season phase, both physically and mentally. So you have to give your body time to recover because, I mean, stress is necessary. It's a good thing, but you also need recovery to get that adaptation. So if you go straight from an extremely stressful situation like in-season into off-season, which will be the next phase we'll talk about, where you're pushing yourself and trying to improve without taking the time to recover during the postseason phase, you're not going to get to the next season the year later being much better. You're going to kind of be running in circles. So in order to do that, the biggest thing is just focus on recovery and how we do that through nutrition. Typically sit around maintenance calories, nothing, obviously you don't want to go into a crazy deficit. Probably don't want to be in a crazy surplus either just to kind of keep biofeedback on point. Um, while in season we went up with the carbs, really emphasized that side of things. During the postseason, I like to bring carbs down a bit just to restore insulin sensitivity and make sure everything's all good there for overall health and, and all that great stuff. Because if you're constantly pumping your body full of carbohydrates, it's just not going to use them as efficiently and it's just not going to be too great long term for your performance and overall health. So you've got to take time to dial it back a little bit. Um, in terms of protein and fat, nothing too crazy, pretty moderate, same as it would be normally. And then the biggest thing is knowing to take some time off of your training and just go have some fun. Like, I think this is fairly straightforward for team sport athletes and athletes that have designated seasons because most of the time at the end of your season, you're, you're ready to take that like week or two break. Sometimes it needs to be longer just depending on like if you were a starter, or if you were on the bench or whatever um, and how much actual stress you underwent, but taking that time off from your sport mentally and physically to kind of recharge your batteries and put yourself in a position to have a really good off season. 
Um, but the number one focus through whatever we're doing during the postseason phase would have to be that recovery component of things. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I agree with you about it being the most overlooked phase. And by the way, this applies to general population. This applies to no people who just want overall health for people who want to get leaner, who people want to look their best, feel their best. Honestly, this is the most overlooked phase for anybody because let's talk about somebody who goes through a dieting cycle. They're putting their body through you know, an imposed stress and then they jump right into the next thing or uh, they don't give themselves adequate time to recover and restore you know, restore maintenance, restore homeostasis and get back to that, to get back to feeling their best. Uh, and they jump right into the next thing. And, you know, our bodies are resilient and our minds are resilient, but we also have to look at we're in season. There is this kind of structured and intentional overreaching. You're trying to perform at the highest level, or if you're a general population person, you're just trying to lose fat. You are intentionally stressing your body to release, you know, body fat. Like it's all about creating a stress and having an environment for adaptation. But if you want future adaptation, that postseason is so necessary. And the yeah. fact is like, you know, we can talk about it from being business owners. You know, we go through periods where it's head down, we're going to grind, we're going to work and, you know, late nights and early mornings and not a lot of sleep. Uh, guess what happens? We get burnt out. If we don't have that yeah. postseason, if we don't have that time to, like you said, just do things that you enjoy, get back to just having fun and, you know, allowing things to settle down in your life, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to continue growing your business. You're not going to be able to show up as the best version of yourself each day without that postseason period. So I just wanted to highlight that it doesn't just apply to athletes. Uh, we're talking no about doubt. everybody. So general population, if you just care about performance, aesthetics, being healthy, um, anything that you're trying to accomplish, even if you're just, you know, trying to, trying to get through, you know, day to day job or, or if you are a business owner, the postseason. um, can't be skipped. It's it's like, you know, it's so necessary. So wanted to make sure that you brought up a good point. I wanted to hammer that home. Um, so then let's continue on and go into the off-season phase. For sure. So off-season is kind of where you have a little bit of freedom. And depending on how, how long it is, like some athletes will have a several months, sometimes several year-long off-season. Some will have like a turnaround within a couple of weeks or even a week. Um, so it really just depends. This one is a huge, like, it depends but what I always like to say is like, if you're in a position where you are that athlete that did want to get that six pack, now is probably the time to do it because you don't have anything to compete for. Um, and if you have a couple months, I would recommend going into that kind of fat loss stage if you want probably earlier on. So that way you have some time towards the end of the off season to get things into gear and going into preseason. Um, but really off season is what you want to make of it. You can either go for some like safe fat loss um, some muscle gain, if that, if you believe that'll help your performance, or if you just want to gain some muscle just for the heck of it, or you could also just kind of sit there and maintain and focus on skill development. There's really no right answer here. I think, um, it really depends on what you need, what you want to do. And I think if I had to give a piece of advice in terms of what you should do, I, I do believe that you should keep your overall performance for that next in-season phase in mind when you go about your off-season. Like, sure, it might be cool to get that six pack, but is it really going to help you next time around in season? You got to really think about that and understand if you're if you're good with not fueling your offseason training optimally for the sake of getting that six pack and potentially sacrificing some performance. That's fine because you don't have to perform right now, but you got to keep that in mind. So I always like to encourage my athletes to keep like the next season in mind when you're going about your offseason. 
and kind of find that nice middle ground. I think in a, in a perfect world, you would fuel performance, maybe even some muscle gain. And that way you can really, because if you're able to push yourself harder in your skill workouts and recover from it, you're going to elicit better adaptations to that better conditioning going into that season. But um, just as an overarching theme, it's really whatever you want to make of it. Just, I would recommend keeping that performance in the next season in mind. Yeah, for sure. I think that is when you talk about skill development, I think that's a logical play for the off season, especially because the recovery demands aren't going to be as great from, you know, dedicated skill work. Uh, and, you know, where my mind went was, you know, my era was, was Michael Jordan. So, you know, my, and my favorite sport is basketball. So I'm just thinking about how he used to take his biggest weakness of his game. He would assess his game every season, would look at what his biggest weakness was. And then that was his focus yeah. in the off season. So he wanted, you know, early in his career was defense. And then he became, you know, first team all defense almost every year. Um, then he just would find what part of my game can I develop? And that was his off season work uh, where the energy demands aren't crazy high. Uh, but you have a specific focus that you're trying to, like you said, um, set the stage for how that's going to impact you when we get back into uh, the season. So is that really yeah. like the prime time where you want to be focusing on like specific skill development? Yeah, this is when you really want to be focused on skill development. And I think the cool thing is, I noticed this happened with me during during like the first off season. I really got things right with nutrition. I, I, was, I wasn't necessarily trying to gain muscle or improve body comp but I was just fueling proper performance and recovery for my skill work. And yeah, I was doing weight room sessions. And by the end of the off season, I'd gained like eight pounds of pretty solid mass. So I think going in with the mentality, if I had to pick one, I definitely agree with you going in with the mentality of just improving your overall skills and just feeling properly to recover from that. You'll probably be pleasantly surprised at the end of your off season, looking better than you thought you would. Yeah. I think that, um, and to apply that to general population, uh, obviously, there's there's not really like a specific skill, but that can be a time where if you do want to get better at something, uh, let's say, you know, you want to get a little bit better at a specific lift or or it could just be a time to set the stage before you get into the next diet mode. So, you know, you've yeah. spent like that time recovering. Um, things are feeling good. You've, you know, restored maintenance and, and you're feeling good. So now it's like, I'm going to enjoy things a little bit during this time, maybe have a little bit more flexibility in my life. Maybe I'm going to, you know, plan some more, you know, dieting can be a stress on relationships. So maybe it's like, I'm going to focus on yeah. going out with my partner, you know, on more days than we knew than we usually do. So instead of one day a week while I was dieting, now we're going out two, three nights a week and we're, we're connecting more and taking that off season. So like, trying to just translate that it's not a, it is a skill but it's not you know like we're talking about as far as athletic sure. development but what are your thoughts on that for like gen pop no i definitely agree i think for gen pop i think if i had to pick one thing probably just focusing on like either like strength development like you said focusing on a specific lift or even yeah like i said just being cool with maintaining and just kind of enjoying life for a little bit kind of like an extended postseason um i think would be a good approach and I think that sort of same mentality also applies with athletes too. Like in, it's not only important to periodize like your proteins, carbs, fats, all that stuff, but it's also important to periodize your tracking because a lot of people will get burnt out of having to log every little thing in, especially like younger, like college athletes. I do that. I just, I'm, I'm tired of this. Like I don't want to do it anymore. So it's like, cool, let's not do it for certain times of the year. Like during that and going back to the in season phase, probably want to track just to make sure you're eating enough just because it's very difficult to make sure you're eating enough without doing that. But during that postseason or off season, it's cool to kind of take a little bit of a break from that. 
maybe track a little bit less um, rigidly or not track at all for a couple of weeks here and there. Um, but overall, just periodizing the intensity of how focused you are on your nutrition, I think is a very important concept too. And that applies to both athletes and the gen pop. Yeah, totally. That, that's a great point. I think practicing intuitive eating, which, you know, I'm, it's my belief that in the current food environment that we're in now, it is something that needs to be practiced because um, like yeah. we've talked about, there's an abundance of processed food around. Uh, we are overly stressed, overly stimulated. There's just it's not really conducive to a true intuitive eating lifestyle where we can really be connected to our hunger signals and signals of satiety and, and cravings and that like, you know, there's so many uh, external influences that throw that off. And I think that um, just awareness around portion sizes and, you know, how certain foods make you feel and um, what's going to feel better for you, what's going to fill you up more, um, going through that process of then dialing back like you talked about we've spent some time in season tracking and being more diligent uh, going into that off season where you kind of practice intuitive eating and you start to see if I can just you know kind of pull back a little bit and have more flexibility not have to you know weigh and measure and track every single thing that can be a really healthy practice to start to transition for general population out of you know the macro mindset if the ultimate goal is to be able to do a, you know, a, a fully intuitive approach, which I think is, you know, is yeah. a pretty, um, you know, it's an appropriate goal for a lot of people. Uh, so that was a great point. For sure. Um, so then we kind of circle back around to the preseason, heading out of the off season. What what's the thought process there um, in preseason? And preseason is kind of like just like a primer phase going into uh, to in season. It's kind of that that transition period. It's it's pretty straightforward. I think really. If you were at maintenance or in a surplus during the off season, I don't think anything crazy needs to happen. Maybe if you were in a surplus, dial it back a little bit. If you're at maintenance, more or less just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, make sure everything's on point. Now is when you want to really tighten up your skills. If you hadn't been working that, on that a ton during the off season, really make sure everything's on point going back into season. Where preseason really matters and it's kind of make or break is if you were in that fat loss phase during the off season. If you were in that deficit, you got to set some time before the season because you don't want to just go like make that thousand calorie jump or 500 calorie jump right away. You want to give yourself time to work back up to what your maintenance should be and make sure you're feeling properly going into in season. And oftentimes during the preseason phase, you'll be in like training camp or maybe at practices or something. So you want, if you're kind of fighting for that spot, you want to be, you want to make sure you're performing optimally. So definitely super important in that if you were in that fat loss phase during the off season to use that preseason to ramp things up typically through carbohydrates and or fats, depending on what macros you cut for that fat loss phase. Um, but really the goal of the preseason phase is to get things in order going into season. So you're firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I, the way that I like to think of it is um, obviously football is right about to start and you know, every team just went through their preseason. And if you look at how that was set up, you know, you have your, your starters who basically maybe played a few series, maybe, uh, you know, a quarter or a half in one game or two games, but it's almost just like getting the reps in without the full on in season mindset and effort. So you're kind yeah. of just like simulating what in season is going to be like without actually going to that level, uh, getting your mind in that, that, you know, place where, you know, I'm about to turn it on and then you want to get your body physically ready for the demands that it's about to face. Um, so just kind of like looking at the NFL is a great kind of structure that the preseason is a perfect model where it's, 
you know, we're going through the reps, we're going through some intense practices, uh, we're trying to simulate the game-like experience, and um, just trying to think of that from a general population standpoint, you know, it's like that time where maybe now we are starting to cut back on date nights a little bit, like we're going back to two times a week, and we know that once the dieting phase, because for Gen Pop, dieting would be in season, so we're starting to cut back and starting to simulate and get, you know, the the mental game ready uh, to go through that you know, dedicated diet period, we're preparing for in season. So, you know, just, it's almost like trying to get those reps in without actually having to hit that deficit yet, if that makes sense. Um, Is that kind of your take as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, for the giant pop clients that I do work with, that's definitely the approach I would take for kind of just getting things in order. Because what we don't want to do is go into a fat loss phase, like a, a dieting phase, and have to figure out how to actually hit your macros as we're going through that. We want to have you at a point where you're like, You've got stuff pretty dialed in. Now it's just, all right, let's just drop calories. And that's all we got to do. We don't have to make all these drastic changes because we took care of that during the preseason phase. Yeah, which is actually something that people get wrong most of the time. If you just think about some of the biggest mindset issues, uh, the whole like diet starts Monday philosophy and (laughs) constantly, you know, jumping to a different program and being like, all right, well, I'm going to try keto. And then you've, you've gone from like, you know, whatever you are currently doing to overhauling everything and taking on like a hundred new things at once. And it's just setting yourself up for failure um, rather than yeah. getting yourself to the point like you talked about where it's not really a big adjustment. We're just making like a small shift um, going into that dieting phase. But I think so many people make the mistake of just jumping right from whatever they're doing to all of a sudden aggressive, like just completely skipping that preseason mindset yeah. And going right into it and then wondering why they weren't able to sustain it because uh, we didn't have the habits in place. We didn't have the proper periodization. We didn't, you know, get the mindset in order. And then, you know, inevitably you see, um, and I'm not, you know, talking about this from, from my high horse. I'm talking about this from real life experience. This was my reality for years, just going, oh, no, you no. know, diet starts Monday. I'm going to cut everything out that I was doing and, and, you know, go, uh, you know, all in and, and just had to keep rinse and repeat yeah. until I finally learned sure. there's, nah. there's a better way. No, nah, I saw that happen with myself. Like, I mean, just like a couple of weeks ago, even so I, I had saw, I hadn't touched a basketball really or just gotten in the court for a couple of months and like I was getting back into it. And I literally, I, tr- I started training. Like I was like when I was playing in college, it, yeah. I just kind of went all in. I was like, all right, screw it. I'm gonna get back into this. And within like a week I was injured already. Luckily it wasn't even too bad. It was kind of like a nagging thing, but that just kind of, is on that point of kind of layer things in. And now I'm kind of like had that wake up call and going through things a little bit um, in, a, in a smarter way. Um, yeah, but sure. definitely having the ability to kind of have that patience to layer things in and make sure you have those habits down is super important for sure. Yeah, doing things the right way, um, playing the long game and being patient, which I think, uh, and you can kind of touch on this working with athletes, that's probably a big challenge because I know for myself, as an athlete and putting myself back in that mindset, I wanted instant results. I wanted instant progress. I was like super competitive. Uh, I wanted any advantage that I could get like immediately. So is that one of the challenges that you face in trying to get your athletes to see the big picture and play the long game? Yeah. I think the cool, I think the cool thing with like performance nutrition is a lot of times like when you implement stuff, you see pretty instant results, especially if an athlete came in like not feeling per, like correctly. It was just all over the place when it came to food. You actually get them eating enough, eating up the right foods. You feel it pretty quickly. Now, 
in terms of like the overall big picture of their sport, it takes insane amounts of time to get where you want to get. And if you don't have that long-term mentality, good luck getting to whatever level you want to get to. Um, because you have to be willing to put in the work even when you're not motivated to. And I think part of making that happen is getting those little short-term wins of like, oh, you know what? Like I'm actually eating right now and I felt stronger in that workout. Maybe I'm not quite where I want to be yet, but you're getting going in the right direction. And just as a coach, like I make it a really big point to highlight those little wins because then that creates that long-term buy-in. And in terms of creating the long-term buy-in, I think that's where using periodization as that tool to make that happen is super helpful because during that first coaching call, it's like we're literally mapping out their entire year and they very clearly see what that looks like. And since they have it laid out right in front of them, like, okay, at this month, we're going to do this and then this and then this it's very, it instills confidence in them because they know they actually have a plan that's going to get them to their desired result. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, that's a great approach and uh, something that I wish had been presented to me. So that's kind of where I want to shift to because I talked about how, in my athletic career, I had no awareness around nutrition. Yeah. And then I also look at examples like, uh, you know, I'm a Sixers fan. So like you'll see Joel Embiid sitting on the bench, eating a cheeseburger before a game. And then, you know, he's just kind of joking around and, and like, then I can't remember. It was a hard knocks episode where, uh, this was several years ago, but it was Chad Johnson or Chad Ochocinco talked about how he eats McDonald's like three times a day. And, then on the f- other side of that, you have the extreme case of like Tom Brady, who like published his diet, which is kind of like very restrictive. It's very particular to him. Um, I'm wondering like the awareness factor. So you have somebody who like Tom, who's like super aware. I wouldn't promote his diet as the way to go, yeah. but you have somebody like that who's super aware that of what he can get his body to do through attention to nutrition. Uh, he, he knows like if I want to play, obviously he's played the game a long time. So he's somebody who is aware that if he wants to continue to compete into his forties, which he's doing, uh, he needs to be on point with his nutrition. But then you have guys like Joel and, and like Chad Johnson or, uh, who, who were just kind of getting away with eating whatever. And I remember that for myself, like I used to come home from, from practice and I could crush an entire pizza, like without blinking an eye. And I just had no awareness. I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. So where do we, how do we start to like create that awareness? Cause clearly it carries over into professional athletes. So like, what does that look like in just trying to create more awareness around the importance of nutrition and, and how that can take you to another level from longevity in the sport, but also for performance? Yeah, I think it just comes down to the education. Cause like you said, a lot of people just aren't aware of it at all um and they don't really understand what it can do for them luckily like nutrition's becoming like more and more of like a thing that's talked about now especially in sports like a lot of teams are hiring their own dietitians and like it's becoming like more and more popular to kind of have your have your eating habits and check and stuff like that um but i think it really just starts with the education and kind of like i mentioned earlier if like if you're working with an athlete or if you are an athlete, getting those easy wins at first because like yeah maybe Joel Embiid might not give up that cheeseburger, but hopefully we can get him to add in some more vegetables somewhere else throughout his day, and kind of slowly but surely make that happen. And I think understanding that it might not ever be perfect. So I think as nutrition coaches, it's very easy for us to get in that mindset of like we know exactly what they should be doing, we know like the perfect plan for them, but a lot of times they're just not going to stick to that perfect plan is a few like outliers that will. And that's great. But most of the time you got to find that middle ground 
And in doing that, I think it comes down to adding the good stuff in, like adding the high quality protein sources, the veggies, the, the whole grains, like carbs and things like that um, in. So it kind of crowds out the McDonald's and cheeseburgers and all this other stuff, but that might still be there. And I think just educating it as well as possible, like why that stuff's important. And once they do start to implement those, those kind of basic things and get those easy wins, hopefully that motivates them to keep going deeper and deeper with it. Yeah. And that applies to everybody meeting them where they're at. I think that's so key. Oftentimes, yeah, like you talked about what's optimal doesn't mean that it's practical. So uh, if somebody has, you know, wherever they're at in their journey, whatever habits they have, um, the more that we have to overhaul things in our life to, to follow a plan, the less likely it is that we're going to sustain it. But it's starting where you're at and then gradually moving to the place that you want to be uh, while sure. you start to pay attention to those wins that you talked about. Like, yeah, I do actually feel better. I am performing at a higher level. Maybe I should pay more attention to this. And you start stacking those yeah. wins together. And that's how uh, you see insane amount of progress. Yeah. Over and I think the time. thing to realize, too, like with these high level athletes that seem to get away with eating whatever they want, like that might be true. But I wouldn't like just I, I try to caution athletes to not use that as an excuse to do that to themselves because eventually it's going to catch up for them at, at one point or, or another. It's going to catch up to them. The nagging injuries are going to start to catch up. They're going to start to feel run down and not recover properly. And it's going to take their toll. There's a reason why Tom Brady's still in, is still in the league like this long. Now, like you said, I probably wouldn't invent like his, his specific diet, but the, the, the fact that he's aware of his body and what it needs has allowed him to play that long. Whereas other like freak athletes maybe just haven't been around as long. Maybe they would have been around a little bit longer or a lot longer if they had kind of taken that stuff into consideration. So just kind of uh, bringing that to the forefront as well. Yeah, for sure. I can speak to firsthand experience on that. It catches up to you. Um, I, you know, my energy needs when I was active and, and playing sports all the time and at practice and, you know, I played everything and, um, you know, I, I had no, I didn't, think about what I was eating. It was just, like I said, I could crush a whole pizza without even blinking yeah. an eye. Um, and I stayed lean and, and it was fine. But then after I stopped, after organized sports ended for me, I still kept those same habits and it caught up to me. And I woke up one day, what felt like overnight, I was 250 pounds, like what just happened to me. Uh, so it yeah. absolutely will catch up to you. And then, uh, you know, just talking about from a longevity standpoint, you might be able to play at a high level and get away with that stuff for a short period of time. But if you look at the guys who have put in years like LeBron, um, like Brady, you know, they're, they pay attention to what they're putting in their body, how they're fueling their body. Um, it's not a coincidence there, there is, you know, something for to sure. it. Um, so that's awesome. But I wanted to ask you because, uh, I'm super impressed that you had the wherewithal to kind of say, you know what, I want to step away from the sport and focus more on my business. Um, is that something that you think like was instilled in you from maybe like your parents or was it something that you just found you were so passionate about? Like, that's a tough decision. I know I'm trying to like put myself in your shoes and I'm not sure if like to have that, you know, that mind, that frame of mind to be like, you know what, um, I can help a lot of people and I want to, you know, step away from a sport that I love and, and do this full full time instead. So what was that thought process like? Yeah. I mean, for me, like, I think it definitely was a tough decision, but I think it was really obvious at the time that I made it, that that was what I needed to do. It just got to a point where I was really interested in the nutrition side of things. And I found myself like 
at practice wondering, all right, when can I get back to my dorm to work on like writing content or reading books or working with clients? And when it got to that point, like basketball started to feel like a job. I was like, ah, I don't really want to be here. And that had never happened before. Like for the decade before that I was playing, I had always like really enjoyed showing up to practice, early morning workouts, all that stuff. I really loved the process of that. Then I finally, like, I found my like attention and like desire slowly shifting towards the coaching side of things, like the nutrition side of things, more so than actually playing basketball. And it just got to a point where with basketball school and the business, like slowly starting to actually become a real thing. It was just too much to handle at once. And there was like a period of two or three weeks where I tried to do all three like together and it just took a major toll. So something had to give. Obviously, school wasn't going anywhere. And I think that at that point, I was comfortable with the decision of leaving basketball. It wasn't like this insanely difficult decision, but it definitely did um, take some thought. And when I did it, it was it was pretty crazy because like, after I stopped playing, I really didn't touch a basketball for like six months, which was wild to me considering that it was my life for the whole like decade before that. Um, but I think that, and also a, a point that I really want to make for any athletes listening to this is the fact that, yeah, I, I really, honestly, I didn't get to where I wanted to get in my basketball career. Like I never averaged 20 points a game. Like that was a big goal of mine, never happened, but it led me to what I'm doing now. So like, I don't view it as, oh, I quit. It's like, nah, something else came up that was better. This is this is why I was playing basketball in the first place. And that's kind of what led me to make that decision. Yeah, I think that's a huge takeaway is, is finding that gift in whatever path that you take and then being able to pay that forward um, is the ultimate gift because now you get to help athletes, which is awesome. So what is that yeah. what is that like now? What's like the most rewarding thing in in coaching athletes and working with them on their nutrition for you? I think it's just really cool because a lot of the athletes I work with and the reason why I like working with athletes specifically is because they tend to be pretty driven. Like most of the time you're going to work pretty hard, especially if you enjoy your sport, like you're going to be pretty willing to work hard. And a lot of times people who work hard find themselves stuck and frustrated. Like, why am I not in the starting lineup? Why am I not winning that all league award or the MVP? Why am I not getting that pro contract or scholarship when I'm spending all this time in the gym and kind of educating on the fact that nutrition is important and kind of teaching them how to implement that and seeing that transformation happen is probably the most rewarding thing because I know they're working hard. It's just about making sure that they have a plan that's going to allow that hard work to actually get them the result they want to get. Yeah, for sure. And it, it gets so competitive too that any advantage to get you to that next level, Oh, for um, sure. like I talked about, I, that's something that I look back and I was like, man, I didn't even, you know, I wasn't even introduced to strength training until much later in my yeah. life. And that's another thing, like time in the gym, focus on nutrition. I'm like, man, what, what could have been? Um, but yeah. you know, it, again, like you talked about, it led me down the path where I'm in now. Like I would not have had exactly. the same experience. I would not be doing what I'm doing. So I don't look back at, at it as a regret, but it is, it is like, you know, something where I think about if I had been introduced at a younger age, what, what would that have looked like for me in my career? Um, and it's just something that's, that's interesting to, to play back in my mind. But, um, I think the, the education and the awareness is super important. And then um, I wanted to just, you know, respect your time, wrap up real quick, but um, tell people where they can find you, how they can connect with you and, and all that good stuff. Yeah, for sure. So probably the best, uh, the best place to find me is on Instagram at T Clark Nutrition. Um, I'm posting content on there pretty much every day, uh, day, day here and there where I don't post, but mostly every day. 
Um, if you have any questions, just shoot me a DM on there. I respond to all my DMs that I get. So definitely don't hesitate to reach out there. Um, I love working with athletes. Or even if you're like not an athlete and you have a question for me, go ahead and shoot me a DM. It doesn't matter. I'd love to help you out. Um, I'm also, I actually just made a Twitter. So I'll probably get that going in, in a little bit when I get around to it. And then I also run my own podcast called the T. Clark Nutrition Podcast. There's three episodes a week on there. And those are probably the best places to find me at. And I also have like this free ebook that I wrote that kind of that whole periodization process, it kind of takes you through that entire process step by step. So if you're kind of wondering, okay, I'm an athlete, this sounds interesting, I don't know where to start, I would definitely recommend just getting that ebook. It's like 75 pages, completely free. I'm thinking about making like a Cliff Notes version because I know not everyone's going to want to read that 75 page, uh, 75 page book, but definitely would recommend that as a place to start. Awesome. And where can I get that ebook? Um, if you just go to the Instagram page that I mentioned, the link will be right there in my bio. All right, perfect. Uh, so one thing I wanted to mention, since you said you were kind of like originally the, the white kid in the corner who was just shooting threes, the benefit <laughs> of that is that it adds longevity to your career. So you oh, can still, sure, as dude. long as you can shoot, you can play with anybody. There's always a role. So uh, actually, my, Yeah, no, if you can shoot, you're good. Yeah, exactly. My, my dad's actually turning 70. Uh, in a couple of months and he still plays like two, three times a week and all he can do is That's shoot threes, but he's got a spot. <laughs> uh, there so, you go. Yep. Yep. Well, I appreciate your time. And then, uh, next time I'll have to jump on your podcast and we'll do another episode and, and, uh, it's always good connecting with you and, and seeing what you're up to and appreciate you bringing a ton of value and knowledge to my listeners who I know will enjoy this episode and, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir.